all in our hands. Has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California and Fury. A joy, a privilege to be with you all once again. We're cranking out the great guests, you know, left, right and center right now. And as far as I'm concerned, this, this person right here, I feel like I already know him. We've, uh, I feel like we've been friends for a long time. We've been talking on Twitter a little bit. Very excited to learn about his life, his journey, and also his brother's journey in professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one and only Johnny Candido. How are you, bro? Hey, good, man. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Yeah, good, bro. Good. How's I'm uh, in Australia, bud. I'm, I'm, I'm in a lucky spot of the, uh, of the country. Uh, uh, over on the West Coast, so we don't have any COVID restrictions. Uh, don't have to wear masks. So, um, yeah, uh, being in an isolated part of the world has finally paid off uh, for me and everyone that lives here. So, <laughs> uh, I, was, I just got back from Vegas like three days ago, and they're they're pretty lax on the on the masks. You can everything here is pretty much open, you know. So it was cool. It was a good time. <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that because, you know, all that stuff was uh, certainly uh, a pain in the butt. But, uh, um, Johnny, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, very excited to to talk to you about many different things. Uh, usually the first question on the show, though, is uh, how did you become a wrestling fan? But in your case, it's a little bit different. Uh, your brother, Chris, uh, he became a pro wrestler when you were four years old, from my research. Um, so how do you first remember becoming a fan of pro wrestling? Was it was it just because that you, your older brother was, uh, was, a, was a wrestler? Or please tell me about yeah, it. I, I think it was just because I was a fan of my big brother, whatever he did, I wanted to do, you know, he'd, uh, you know, he, uh, in the morning, I, you know, I'd go up in his room, we'd eat cereal and watch wrestling. We'd play wrestling in the backyard. Um, and then when, you know, when he got older, uh, you know, he started taking me around with him. So, uh, I got introduced to wrestling, you know, from my brother, obviously. And it was just, uh, it, it was, it was fun growing up in a house with a, you know, with a pro wrestler. Because uh, I can remember, like, there's, there's like a 10-year age difference between us. So if he's like 15, 16, I'd be like six or seven. And he used to run around with uh, with food coloring in his mouth, like the great Muda, and spit Muda mist all over the place. <laughs> and uh, a quick funny story. He uh, So it was my little sister's baptism. And I'm all dressed up in like a suit and tie. So mind you, my brother has the entire fourth floor of the house. It's all his. It's like two rooms, like. A bedroom and like an office but it's like a hangout so i'm dressed all nice i walk up to the room i, I throw the door open and as soon as i throw the door open he moved and missed me in the freaking new suit you know so he's like holy shit holy shit mom's gonna kill me so he picks me up runs with me to the garage puts some cleanser on cleans all the mood and mist off right i'm good to go a couple of days later he's up in his room i go up and get the food coloring put it in my mouth run up into his room bust his door open and he's in bed with this chick and they both their heads like look up out of the covers and I run over and <clears throat> I spit some, some got on him, but it hit her, all of it. And I ran out of his room and he caught me <laughs> on the porch and kicked the shit out of me. But uh, that's life growing up, life growing up with a pro wrestler as a brother. <laughs> that's a fantastic receipt there, bro. Um, <laughs> uh, very interesting growing up in a household like that. Um, so how old would have you been when you first started, you know, going to shows that your brother was performing on? Uh, like eight or nine, maybe yeah, or seven. He would, he would the, the first one I remember really well is uh terry funk and eddie gilbert were the main event and that that one really stuck out because it was the first time i ever saw like uh like a like a hard like a more hardcore match where guys get color and you know they, they threw the the ring stairs in and did a, so i was kind of like wow check this out like this is pretty awesome and it was right it was right when him and sabu got back from uh japan 
because that's when Sabu had all those slash marks all over him, and they were like brand new. And right. I, I remember going up. To, I remember going up to Sabu and being like, "Hey, Mister, what what happened to you?" He's like, uh, "I fell," and I'm like, "Bro, what the hell did this guy fall on?" You know, and he just got started laughing. So yeah, that was I was probably like nine, eight or nine when I started going around the shows with my bro. <laughs> That is super fun for uh, for any kid that age. Um, yeah, most but, definitely. But being a kid, being backstage, because I, I have I'm gonna have questions about what it's like being a teenager backstage, etc. But being a kid, um, you know, can you remember running around backstage with any wrestlers that like to scare you, or were there any wrestlers that were particularly nice to you? Obviously, aside from your brother. I mean, everybody was really nice to me. You know, um, like. Uh, like like later on he like gets like so in, in WWE of course everybody's nice and cordial and everything and then when I was getting like a little bit older in ECW I started becoming like like little like buddies with him because my brother was there when he was 24 so I was like 14 15 16 so I'd like you know me and Nova would pal around a little bit there was a ring in the back of the ECW arena like not not the one not like the one the, 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 the show was in there's like one in the back so I'd go in the back me and my buddies would like freaking wrestle around in there and some of the boys would jump in but uh, yeah me and me and nova were boys me and uh, bubba ray um sabu i mean everybody was just super cool to me you know growing up so it was, oh, it, was, cool. it, was it was a great it was a great experience i was chasing some others and tommy rich uh, i i have some funny if like later on i have some funny stories about you know going out with those well the whole ecw guys and partying <laughs> excellent. You know? excellent excellent um i, I find it uh this is great on the show because I had no idea that the ECW arena was so big that there was another ring just out in the back oh, somewhere. Uh, yeah, so huge, I've learned huge. something. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a huge awesome. locker room. It's like a um, warehouse with like three rooms. It's huge. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, being from all the way over here, I haven't had the chance to uh, be in the arena before. But um, hopefully, one day. I've heard it's changed a lot though over the years. Um, as, as time's wearing on, uh, I believe, uh, you know, your brother ends up in Smoky Mountain Wrestling uh, and he is there with Tammy. Uh, I wanted to know uh, your memory, like the first memory you ever have of, of meeting Tammy. So the first memory of meeting Tammy is she was like our, like she would babysit us, like me and my little sisters. And my, my first I, you know, at first I really, really liked her. She would like take us out for ice cream and shit. She was a babysitter, you know? And uh, so in Smoky Mountain, it was, the, the deal was she was going to, it was right after high school. She was either going to go to college in Miami or to Tennessee with my brother, who was going there under the guise of going to college. So my family, like, you know, was making him go to school. But uh, so she chose to go out to the Smoky Mountain and me going out and, and visiting them. It was, uh, you know, they were, uh, they were, they were having a great time and those were really cool years. I think that's when Tammy kind of got, um, I think she went there just to support my brother, but ended up being part of the show because Cornette was like, Hey, Chris, your girlfriend's pretty good. Let's see. And she like kind of like a natural on the mic. So it kind of like worked out, you know? Right. Cool. That's uh, interesting to hear about how that kind of uh, took place. Uh, you kind of uh, alluded to a, uh, to a story uh, when we were talking on Twitter yesterday. Uh, and it's topical because of this man uh, being on Dark Side of the Ring this week, Bruiser Bedlam, uh, saying that oh, you yeah. needed to be a five-plate guy. Could you please indulge me on that story? Oh, tell, oh, all right, so here's the story, right? I'm, I'm a little kid. I'm in Smoky Mountain. And my brother was telling me about Bruiser Bedlam. He's like, yo, this dude's crazy. He uh, it took nine cops and it, he, like he, you know, they tried to arrest him and he beat up nine cops at once and like all this shit. And so I see him, he's like, I kid. He's like, when you get older, he's like, if you're a three plate guy, don't even talk to me. If you're a four plate guy, you can get me a cold drink. If you're a five plate guy, we can hang out. I'm like, all right. I put that somewhere in the back of my head. So like years later, we're at, we're, we're lifting at this place, Jersey Shore Fitness Shop, me, my brother and Balls. His, John, his name is John, but so we're freaking boom. We're, you know, so like a month, two months into our training, I'm, I, I did four plates. I did four. So we get to the day where I have five plates, right? I have five plates. That's 495. I'm like, put a five on either side. Let's make it 505. I want to be legit five plate guy. So I get it up. 
boom, hit it for a double. I'm a five-play guy, high-fiving all around. So like, yo, let's go to Barry's and have a drink and celebrate, right? So we go to this bar, Barry's. Uh, we get a shot and a beer. You know, Chris is not a really big drinker. So we get a shot and a beer, drinking, maybe another shot. Bartender comes over. My brother's like, bartender, man, check out my little brother. Check out my little brother. 20 years old, bench 500 pounds today. 20 years old, bench 500 pounds today. The bartender's going, how old is he? He's like, he's 20 years old, man. Check him out. <laughs> the, the, the drinking age is 21. Yeah. So he's, he's like, he's 20 years old, man. Check him out. And Balls goes, two, two. Where it was like, Mr. Wrestling number two? What, what does he have to do with anything? And I'm kicking his stool. I'm like, he's like, dude, what the fuck? And the bartender's like, how old is your brother? He's like, he's fucking 20. Is everybody dead? <laughs> and then finally, I'm like, dude, the fucking drinking age is 21. And I'm nuts. And he's like, oh, shit. He's like, dude. He's like, bartender, I'm sorry. He's 21. It was his birthday. I forgot about it. But it just took an uncomfortably long time for him. Like, he thought we were all crazy. And he's like, oh, fuck. You know, it was just it was funny as hell. But, yeah. That's like he, something he, out of a TV show right there. Yeah, for real. The bartender was like, how old is he? He's, he's, he's fucking 20. Are you guys deaf? Dude, shut up, please. <laughs> um there is a time, a period of time where, where Chris ends up going to the World Wrestling Federation. Um, what did you think of the body donners gimmick that uh, that he uh, um, portrayed in that company? You know, I th- he would have rather have been himself. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I thought it was really awesome that he was just there doing his thing. It was like all his hard work had, had finally been it's finally validated he's in wrestling he's making money he's doing good but he could have done better and they could have given him something better like he was he was really happy to be up there and really happy doing what he was doing but he would have rather done something else you know what i mean he would rather have moved on from that and been like he was in ecw like chris candido or like you know some he was his real name or like the the in japan he was the blonde bomber he just i don't know that whole uh for some reason, Vince got into his mind that he looked, my brother looked like a, like a fitness guy, like one of those guys that does like infomercials at night. Right. Like he, that was like his idea behind Skip, you know? <laughs> so my brother wasn't too happy about it, but he was happy to be up there, you know? So, right. Yeah. No, I mean, I can imagine that too. And I, you know, I can, I see someone like, um, like hardcore Bob Holly, how he was Sparky Plug. And then he finally got to just be Bob Holly. That probably right. would have been something that would have suited Chris a lot more later down the line. And, uh, you know, he eventually does return to ECW. Um, but before I get to ECW and talk a little bit about that, um, I, I'm sure you, these are questions that you get quite a lot, but I don't know the answer to them. So I, I, I kind of wanted to ask them myself and learn it for yeah, the first sure. time on the show. Um did the click have anything to do with Chris leaving the WWF? I've read somewhere that like they had something to do with like, like getting him de pushed or something like that. I don't know. That was so, so there was, so, so the body down this thing ran its course and they wanted him to go and start and, and train guys, which he was doing. He was like training, he helped train the rock and Mark Henry and he was having matches with them. And, but also, you know, I, you know, years later I knew that the, the, Tammy was fucking, you know, banging guys behind his back. And he, he always told me, he's like, dude, it was just, it's just rumors. It's just rumors. It's not true. I, it wasn't until later. I, after he passed away is when I found out that it was all true. So he was like, so um, I think a lot of it was, you know, he was a, what he, what, the, the reason he said he left, he's like, he's like, I don't want to be training people to be stars. This is the, like my prime in my career. I want to go somewhere where I can, where I can wrestle and not have to train other people. And, uh, but I think a large part of it too was the, the working environment. He just didn't, you know, if, if that shit's going on behind your back and, and trust me, like I, you know, around this time, it, this is when I'm like early teens. It, it was, it was crazy, man. He was really going, going through some shit back then, you know? So I think it was a, it, it was a big part of him leaving, it, you know, it was that and then make if, if yeah if they weren't there he probably would have stuck it out and 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 saw what happened but he was like fuck it and then other guys were over in, that he knew were in ecw so he's like fuck it i'll go there 
Right. Um, do, do you think that he knew but was in denial about it? Or I I think it could have been. I, I think he, uh, like, so he would always tell me, like, he'd always be like, because like, I'm a lot quicker, like, knock a motherfucker out than my brother is. So he'd always be like, yo, like, you know, if you come across Shawn Michaels, just be cool. Like, you know, we don't know nothing. It's just, it's just rumors as far as we know. Like, I don't know anything. So I don't know if he knew and was just telling himself that just you know or if he really or, or you know if, if he really fucking thought it was rumors because what he'd always say he's like dude it's the locker room full of 300 dudes and she's the she's the one chick you think there's not gonna be rumors about it like that's what he would tell me when i bring shit up you know like that's years later so did he know yeah i don't know 50 50 he wasn't a dumb kid he wasn't a dumb guy so i think he probably knew and probably wanted to tell himself it was rumors if i'm being honest Okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, well, 1996 does come around. Uh, he does go back to ECW, thankfully, because uh, this is a pretty decent run here for him. Uh, I believe, from my research, you're 14 at the time he goes back and 17 by the time he leaves again, um, if my maths is correct. Uh, uh, how often were you able to attend shows? Uh, and you know, do you have any fun stories being a teenager in the ECW locker room? Uh, and oh as you're God. getting older, uh, maybe you're getting the chance to maybe have a drink here and there with them. <laughs> yeah, oh dude, I was, so in the beginning, I was at, so the first time my brother went to ECW, I was at my Aunt Kathy's house, uh, it was somebody's birthday or something, and. Um, so my, my brother's nickname is Cook in the family. When I was a kid, I couldn't say Chris, so I called him Cook. Everybody calls him Cook. So I'm at my aunt Kathy's house, and he pulls up in a limo. My mom's like, Johnny, Cook's here. He wants to take you for a ride. I'm like, all right. So I get in the limo. He's dressed in his gear. He's like, dude, I'm so nervous. I'm going to this new federation. I'm like, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. You want to take a ride with me to Philadelphia? I'm like, all right. So we go to Philly. We pull up to the building. I remember seeing all these people, like, looking into the limo, trying, like, banging on the windows, trying to see who it is. I'm like, holy fuck. So we get in there. And uh, so I'm thinking, I'm like, do these people, are, are they even going to know who he is? Is this, you know, is he going to get like the reaction? Like I wasn't so nervous for him, you know? So um, we get in there. He has his match with Spike Dudley, fucking beautiful top rope powerbomb. And, uh, you know, he's on cloud nine. And that, I think that was the night that uh, Dreamer and Brian Lee had that scaffold match. <laughs> the, the, they fell through the tables. So that, so that high incident, like, I think. Yeah, I, so yeah. I never saw anything like that. I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. So uh, he started bringing me around. He started bringing me around so much that when they went to Florida for, like, for, for their first tour, he's like, dude, you got to come with us. I'm like, all right, I'll go with you to Florida. So I, I go with them to Florida. Um, after the first show, we have this big, all the boys upstairs have like this big table. And it's like, you know, I'm sitting between Tracy Smothers and Tommy Rich. My brother and Tammy are across from me, the Dudleys, Dreamer, uh, New Jack, uh, pretty much everybody is all around this table. We're, we're all eating sushi. And uh, so I remember Tommy Rich was like, wait, just bring me and my son here a beer. And Richard was like, you know, he, she's like, he's fucking 14. You can't bring him a beer. She's like, all right. He's like, all right, well, bring me two. He's like, and bring me a shot of Jack Daniels. So he takes a shot of Jack Daniels and dumps it in my Coke. So Tommy, <laughs> so Tommy Rich is, is giving me Jack Daniels. Tammy gets a little fucked up and uh, everybody, so everybody carries her out, puts her in the car. My brother's like, come back to the hotel. I'm like, no, I'm going to stay and hang with, uh, with, with, with Tommy and, and Tracy. We'll, we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll, uh, we'll be, be right behind you. So I'm, I'm hanging still hanging with Tommy and Tracy. And then, so I got a little drunk that night. I remember like walking amongst the sea of the guys just like we like going to some club or something. I don't know how the fuck I even got in. And then later on, <laughs> I get back to the hotel and uh, I see some of the guys in the fucking pool. I jump in the pool and then I see the window fucking open. It was my brother. He came running down. He's like, dude, I've been looking for you for like three fucking hours. So he used to tell the story later on about how Tracy Smothers and Tommy Rich kidnapped me. So he, that was like one of his favorite stories. <laughs> but yeah, being a kid, being a kid in that locker room was fun, man. It was great. Everybody was super cool. And uh yeah, I actually that was the first time I was on uh, on TV in, at a wrestling show. Was um, like me and my buddies used to go up there. We had like our own little backyard federation, and we'd bring like our, our gear bags and we'd use the ring in the back to like take promo pictures and shit. So the Blue World Order, Blue Meanie, Stevie Richards, and Nova, they're like, you know, they were dressing like uh, 
the new world order. So we're like dressing them up. We're like, oh, you need fucking like fingerless gloves. Diesel wear those here. You need fucking glasses. We're like giving them shit from our gear bag. And then uh, they're like, yo, why don't you guys come to the ring with us carrying signs, come through the crowd carrying signs. We're like, all right, sweet. So me, my three buddies, some other people from the back, we come through the crowd carrying BWO signs. This is on TV. I, I'm kind of a fat kid. I'm like 14. I go over to, to jump the rail and I fucking fall right over it on my face right on TV. I'm mortified. I get up and stay walking around with the fucking sign. I get back to the locker room. As soon as I walk in, everybody's like, oh, you took your first bump on TV. Oh, <laughs> dude. I was like, fuck. Like, I remember Louis Piccolo was the first one I saw. He's like, oh, there he is. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, some, some dude grabbed my leg. Like, I fucking lied. I really just fucking <laughs> fell, you know? <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it, it, dude, that was, it was a fun, uh, a fun experience, man, being, being around. <laughs> well, what a, what a dream scenario for your uh, ECW television debut. Fantastic. Uh. Yeah, right. And, it's, and dude, it's on, the, it's on the DVD, The Rise and Fall of ECW. I'm on there. I like, can't escape that clip. Now I think it's funny, <laughs> but at the time I was like mortified. <laughs> you know? Awesome. Uh, would you say uh, during all that time being backstage at ECW, what would you say would be like one of the more like weirder moments that you've seen uh, backstage? Because <laughs> I've had a few guys on the show mention things like one time John Cronus just walked into the into the locker room and he, he just had a crimson mask and the show hadn't even yeah. begun yet. He was just he was already bleeding and there was no yeah. explanation as to what was going on there. Do you have any other stories kind of like that? Something weird going on? <laughs> it's It's hard to even weird was like kind of normal I, I don't know how <laughs> a lot, you know a lot some some uh like like un, unneeded nudity i remember like tommy rich just sitting around naked like hey look at my wainer like <laughs> uh, <laughs> like um people just it, it, I, so for me in the locker room it would be like i would run up to the eagle's nest watch some matches a little bit Come back down. I'll go bother Taz for a while. I'll go fuck around with Sabu for a while. Could chill with New Jack and Mustafa. So I was just kind of like running around, like doing shit all the time. It seemed like, like New Jack would be like, "Dude, go around and find new weapons to throw in my, in my fucking garbage can." I'm like, "All right." Like, so RVD be like, "Here's money. Go get some cheesesteaks from Tony Luke's." So I was kind of like running around, just like doing shit, staying busy. So, yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, and weird. It was a lot of shit was weird. It's hard to even like pinpoint a moment, you know. But everybody was cool. You know? I guess if I asked you um, name something normal that happened, that would be actually yeah. weird. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm I, get I can't think of anything really normal. <laughs> I'm getting yeah, I'm getting yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he has such a great run there. Um, what led to him wanting to leave and go to WCW in two thousand of all years? It's such a a rough year for that company. Um, I'm, I'm assuming there's like some nice money there possibly. Um, and how did you feel? Because you're a teenager, you've made all these friends at ECW and now your brother's going to be leaving there. And now, you know, you, you might well, not get to see your friends as often maybe. I mean, well, to be honest, like those times were when he was fucking bad with the drugs and shit. And so was Tammy. So those years are pretty fucking dark. Like, and financially, like he kind of got fucked because um, like for the longest, he, he wanted to help like make ECW run. So I know he, Paulie would ask him to like book all the hotels and all the flights on his credit card and then he'd pay him back in cash. Mm -hmm. So Paulie was, they were, they were doing that for a while and then Paulie stopped paying him. So my brother had this freaking mansion and uh, he lost his house. Um, they moved to, to like a, a not so, not as beautiful house but he was still getting great money. But then the, the drugs man, and the fucking insanity, it was, it was fucking bad for a while there, you know, like around, I'll say probably around 01, 02 was probably like the worst 03. And then fucking thank God, you know, he, fi he finally, he got clean in 04, which was fucking awesome, you know? But yeah, that's, I'm going to say that time was, and it wasn't going unnoticed by the by the promoters, you know. It's not like he was able to really hide it, or you know. So it was it was just tough, man, to 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 watch all that shit. 
Right, I understand. Uh, did you ever get the chance to go to a WCW show and be backstage there? I'm sure I did. It's hard to think. I've, you know, uh, I've been to a lot of different locker rooms. I don't think so. I don't think so. I remember after W, he was there for like a, you know, a cup of coffee. I forget how long he was there for. He was the cruiserweight champion there. Then that went under. When they, they went under, he was still under contract. So he was still getting paid. So, uh, you know, he, uh, though I, but, you know, there, there was really nowhere for him to go after that. You know, I know he had some, he, he maybe he burnt a couple of bridges in WWE, but nothing that he couldn't fix later on. But, you know, is what it is. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask your personal opinion on, on what you felt or thought when you found out that ECW had closed down. It, it was it was tough, but also at the time, you know, I'm 17. So I'm like in high school doing my own kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not, I wasn't following like wrestling like that even then. Like I was, right. you know, if I was with him, I'd be doing that. But if, if like when he was in ECW, like for the first couple of years, I would always go with him. But then when I got a little bit older, he'd be like, uh, he's like, if you're going to stay home, just, you know, here's my keys to, to the car and, and, you know, let my dogs out and shit. So I'd have, I was a sophomore in high school, junior, junior in high school. I'd have freaking parties at his house, you know? <laughs> and it was, uh, it, so I, I'd rather stay home and have like these awesome parties than, than go on the road. Cause I was at that age, you know? So yeah, it was nuts. There'd be like a bunch of kids running. He had, he had like a room with, with all tanning beds. We had people like tanning. Then they had this thing called jungle room where you had like lizards and snakes and shit. Um, and yeah, it would just be wild. And uh, like, yes, everybody called the parties WrestleFest. They're like, oh, is your brother going away this weekend? Let's have a WrestleFest. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so then what, what actually ended up happening, how it stopped was I was at somebody's sweet 16 party. It shows you how old I was. And it got like busted up by the cops. So I'm like, yo, my brother's supposed to be somewhere. I'm like, let's just go there. So I, uh, I walk up to his house, unlock the door, walk in, and he's sitting there reading a freaking Pro Wrestling Illustrated sitting on the couch. He's like, hey, what's up, dude? I'm like, yo, what's up, bro? Uh, I'm like, I was going to have people over, just my friends, but uh, you're here. I'll just go back to mom and dad's. So whatever, I leave. He calls me the next morning. He's like, dude, what the fuck? He's like, you left? He's like, there was fucking 200 people rolled up to my house. He's like, like, some dude had dogs fucking running around in the front. He's like, people are bringing up guitars, walking up with kegs. He's like, what the fuck do you do here? I'm gone. Uh, so, you know, I'm just like, I'm like, I don't know. I was having a party. He's like, he's like, all right. He's like, I don't care if like you and your buddies hang out, but I'm, I don't want the entire fucking mask by high school in my house, you know? So that, that's that put kind of put a kibosh in the parties after that. You know, some stuff. Um, I'm going to uh, bring up some, uh, stories that you uh, alluded to with me on twitter yesterday um just with a few words for each story because i didn't read everything that you said because i wanted to hear it all uh right here <laughs> in the interview uh, uh steroids from a friend in brooklyn oh oh my god so this is freaking hilarious right so me and my brother we go and we we pick up some shit from our from our friend bolton brooklyn and on our way home we're like yo let's stop over at nature's corner and, and go get a shot of wheatgrass and uh, a protein shake or something. So where we go to the, uh, we're in line at the, at the, the, the bar at the, you know, the, the juice bar. And we, one of our mother's friends sees us. She's like, Christopher, Jonathan, I didn't know you two were on juice. <laughs> we're like, Excuse me. She's like, how long have you been juicing? And first we like looked at each other, like is, did, is something fucking falling out of our pockets or something. And then we're like, fucking she's talking about fucking fruit juice my brother's like oh juice he's like oh i'm always on the juice i've been on the juice since i was like 19 she's like oh doesn't it make you feel it turned into like a saturday night live clip you know <laughs> she's like juice is so good for you makes you strong he's like oh yeah it's like i, I stay on the juice and it, it was just it was just funny because at first when she said it it's like our hearts sunk we're like what the fuck we thought like you know we like left the trail of needles behind us or something we didn't know what to think but yeah that was uh it was funny man the first heart stop, like, oh, fuck. But then we realized she was talking about spinach and kale juice. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the next story, two black eyes. Oh, my God. All right. So when I first started wrestling, my, my first match ever, I'm like 19. And me and him drive to Rochester. And uh, 
like I, just before this, I had just been like taking bumps in the ring. I figured I'd fall into the business one day, whatever. So we, and so we get to Rochester and I have my first match. So we get to Rochester. I'm just there hanging out. My brother, my brother looks around the locker room and he's like, mm, I, I don't know any of these guys really. I'll just wrestle you in the main event. I'm like, really? Is that going to be all right? He's like, yeah, yeah. Just pretend we're in the backyard. So anyway, I had my first match. <laughs> he's just feeding and bumping for me, all this stuff, right? So the next time we're in, we're in, um, in Queens and it's him, it's him and Sandman. Sandman's like, kid, let's get you involved. You're going to come in, um, grab the cane, go like you're going to hit me, then cane your brother, me and you will do beers, and then I'm going to cane you. So here comes the finish. And then so my brother goes, brother's like, when you get, he's like, when you get the cane, he's like, sorry. Uh, I just, I was going to pick up something that mimic the cane. He's like, when you get the cane, swing it like this, hit me on the top of the head. Don't swing it like a baseball bat or it's going to fuck me up. So I get into the ring, I grab the cane, go like I'm going to hit Sandman, turn around to my brother and fucking swing it like a baseball bat in the heat of the moment, <laughs> whack him right across the fucking face, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So fucking Sandman canes me. We're driving back home. My brother's got a stripe across his face, right? So uh, he's like, oh, dude, you did so good. I'm like, dude, I fucked your face all up. He's like, don't worry about it. So the next night, I came out and cut a promo. We were going to do a pull apart, and uh, we were going to set up for, for our match. So we get out there, and uh, I cut a promo or whatever I said. You know, you think I'm not ready. I'm ready, motherfucker. He comes out there. He gets in my face, and he pushes me. And just from instinct, I just went, wait, wait, wait. I hit him in left eye, right eye, left eye. He hit the deck before the guys even came out to make the save. So I'm on top of him, I'm like, shit. I'm like fake ground and pounding him. I just beat the shit out of him. And everybody like pulled me off of him. So now on the drive back home, he's got a stripe across his face, two big black eyes. He's like, oh, dude, you did so great. I'm like, dude, I fucking beat your ass. So later at his house, we're having drinks and like we're sitting on like a little bar like this. I'm like, dude, you look like shit. Give me a black eye. Give me a black eye. Give me a black eye. He's like, I'm not going to give you a black eye. Stop asking me. I'm like, give me a black eye, pussy. Come on. I just kept like fucking needle and give me a black eye. <laughs> Finally, I'm going to like take a bite of something. And all of a sudden, whoosh, he punches me right in the fucking face. And I fall <laughs> off the bar stool. <laughs> and then, uh, so then the next morning, we, we came to our mom's house for breakfast. And she's like, what the fuck happened to you? Look at you two, the moron brothers. What did you do last night? Holy shit. So uh, that's, that's good. That, and that's how we got the name Moron Brothers, which in the book, uh, Chris, I, I co-authored the book, No Gimmicks Needed, with John Cosper. It came out in January. There's a whole chapter called The Moron Brothers about, like, funny shit that we did. And, you know, so that, that's the two black eyes story. So he had two <laughs> black eyes. I had one. But, but. fantastic fantastic um the next one it, it appears that you have you have quite the friendship um with one balls mahoney uh uh balls cooking chicken <laughs> oh dude all right so let me let me just set this up for you real quick so my i grew up in spring lake so there's like three towns close to each other spring lake spring lake heights and manuswan i live in spring lake my brother lives in manuswan and it's about a five a three minute ride from my brother's house to, to our house and vice versa. We have to pass Balls's house when we go because he lives in the Heights. So we always pass Balls's house to like see what he was doing, look in the windows, fuck with him, whatever. So, uh, so Balls cooking chicken. We go, we, we, we roll up to his house. He's like, guys, come in, come in, come in. We, uh, we walk in the house. He's like, oh, I'm making chicken Mahoney. Sit down and, and, and we'll, uh, and I'll, I'll make it for you guys. You know, me and my brother are sitting on the couch. Balls, He's constantly in boxer shorts and that's it. He doesn't, he doesn't wear anything else. And he talks uh, just constantly. So he's got his left hand, his boxer shorts, and he's scratching his nuts. He's going, yeah, JC, you know, we should do that spot. Blah, blah, blah. So he scratches his nuts with his left hand, his right hand. He takes raw chicken, puts it in eggs, puts it in batter, takes his hand off the nuts, puts it in the pan. <laughs> Back to the nuts, scratching, talking. Me and my brother like, dude, look, he's scratching his nuts. And then he's fucking picking up the chicken and putting it on the thing. So he's, you know, he's like making like chicken fillets. So he's got like a little, it's like yeah. raw chicken, eggs, breadcrumbs, pan of oil. Left hand <laughs> on the nuts, scratching. Hand goes chicken, freaking eggs, breadcrumbs, off the nuts, into the pan, <laughs> back to the nuts. And we're freaking watching this going, oh my God, he's doing it. Look, look, look. So, <laughs> so, so like I said, Balls just talked the entire time. He said, we could do the spot, we do this. You sit, no sell the chair, I do this. So... <laughs> anyway he finally gets done with the cooking the chicken 
he cuts a freaking piece of it off, dunks it in marinara sauce, and puts it like right to my brother's mouth. My brother like seals <laughs> his lips, and he's like, he's like, dude, I can't do it. He's like, I just watched you scratch your nuts for a half an hour. Now you're trying to put your fingers in my mouth. Uh, uh, no, and he's like, no, I wasn't. He's like, JC, here. I'm like, I, I, I ate already, dude. I'm good. And uh, he's like, come on, oh, uh, dude. It was one of the funniest things I ever saw. Like. He's like, it was my inner thigh anyway. I wasn't even scratching my nuts, like, even if that fucking mattered. But yeah, he was going to town <laughs> stretching his nuts and making chicken at the same time. So funny. <laughs> Every <laughs> time. Every time there's yeah. a bull story in the show, it's him doing something gross. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Uh, yeah. I, dude, I have so many stories. He, he lived so close that I would always, you know, and we, we worked each other a, a ton. So I would, you know, I'd see him like every fucking day. So every day with him was a story, you know? <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, and one more story uh, here that you alluded to, uh, Balls thinking that his house was haunted. Okay, yeah, this one was funny. So so me and my bro were, were sitting in in, uh, in my brother's backyard in beach chairs. So Balls has a small house. It's small, and his mom's there, and his girl's there, and he's got a dog, and he's got a cat, and it's like a very small house. So we're like, dude, what the fuck do you think Balls does in that house all day and night? So we're like, so this is nighttime. It's probably like 11. We're like, let's go and find out, right? So we drive to Balls' house. We park like halfway down the street. We walk up to his house. We look in his window. We look in his window. He's in his boxer shorts, about to cut into a slice of bologna. He's got one slice of bologna on a plate with a fork and knife. And me and my brother start fucking dying of laughter just looking at him. Because it's just giant man. He's eating one fucking slice of bologna with a fork and knife. So he goes to slice the bologna. My brother goes the window balls goes goes back to cutting his bologna goes back to cutting his bologna finally i just go boom 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 knock on the windows we fucking run away next night we come back he's uh laying on the ground reading a book we smash into his windows fuck him did fuck up his garbage cans and run away so then he sees us he's like so johnny chris you never believe this it's like, my house is haunted. There's apparitions. I see them at night. They're restless spirits. There's two of them. And they shake my things around. And then, so then he started blaming everything on the, he's like, he's like the ghost. The ghost started stealing his medication. He's like, I knew I had 60. Norco's is one I have 33. He's like, I have ghosts. They're stealing my medication. They're breaking my room. They're, they're <laughs> like, like if, a, if a plate would fall down, because the ghost did it. And I don't think he even knew that the ghost, until he died, that was me and my brother. Like, we go there just to like get a, like just first to see what he was doing. He was, no matter if he was just sitting there watching TV, we'd still die of laughter. So, you know, we would just go there and fuck with him. And he thought, uh, he thought his house was haunted. It was great. <laughs> Excellent, bro. Um, so uh, you have spoke about, you know, uh, some of your first matches that you had in pro wrestling. And I was looking through some of uh, your, the match results that you've had over the years just to see if I could find any uh, interesting opponents. And I found this one interesting, 19th of November 2004 for USA Pro's 11th anniversary at the Amazuna Concert Hall in New York City. You faced Bam Bam Bigelow. What was it like working with Bam Bam? Oh, dude, freaking awesome, man. Bam are so good. And uh, it's just just as a, you know, as a growing up, and I knew Bam Bam. He lives, from, lives a town over. So it was not like I was like real, uh, you know, I wasn't very nervous about it. But it, it was it was just an honor to be like, yo, I fucking shared a ring with Bam Bam. It was freaking amazing. And, and Bam was, you know, he's just something else. His his strength is fucking out of this world. He's, uh, yeah, he, he's he's a real deal. And just, you know, getting to share the ring with a legend like that, it's, it's pretty amazing. And I, you know... And he was different level. Like he was that he was that age, and he could still really work. Like, like not to take anything away from the other guys. I, I worked a lot of like legends, like you know Tito Santana. He could still go. But guys like Jimmy Snuka, King Kong Bundy, Lex Luger. He could still kind of go. Um, but I, I like wrestled all those guys because I like you know they put me against them because I worked like my brother. Like I would just sell, bump, boom, boom, boom. You know, so I, I'd have fun. Bruce the Barber Beefcake. Me and him constantly had a. Uh, hair for hair matches because i had long hair yeah so uh he'd always beat me and then at the last second i would fuck off and then some manager would get his hair cut so you know he never got to cut my hair actually but we had some fun matches but yeah bammer that was it was an honor man to be in the in the in a ring with him 
<laughs> That's awesome, bro. Um, so uh, obviously, you know, uh, in, in 2005, uh, uh, your, your brother unfortunately passes away. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you about, um, I didn't want to talk to you too much about that because, you know, I don't want to pry for, you know, a tragic thing that's happened in your life. But I, I'm also wanted to ask you about things like the 21st of May, 2005, um, the UXW Chris Candido Memorial Show um, at the Skate Safe America in Old Beth Bethpage, uh, New York. Um, yeah. you, uh, and you win, you win the Battle Royal on that night. Um, <clears throat> could you uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, an evening like that and, 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 and you know, being able well, to participate in a show like that? that? That was so special, too, because, like, so the, the what it does, so the, I win the Battle Royal, and then it's me and Balls. You know, that matches on YouTube. Because so after the battle royal, me and Balls are the last two standing. And we're like, let's get it. You know, me and him, you know, get after it for, you know, we, we have we opened the show with a real strong match and it was great. And Balls like breaks down crying at the end. And uh, that match was just really special. And that time was just great because the show was stacked with so much great talent. And then everyone was, uh, would go after and like, talk about you know how my how great my brother was and how much he helped him which you know my brother really loved helping young wrestlers and everything you know if, if you if you asked him to watch a match he would and like give you notes on it and then the trailer to it is me and sandman were like in a room drinking uh telling stories back and forth and we didn't know it but we were getting filmed so the the trailer for that is me and sandman kind of like uh you know like sharing stories and shit so that that was a really awesome show, just a, a special show. So, yeah, that whole time was that whole time was tough, but yeah, that that was great. And they 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 did a bunch of memorial shows, but that was definitely the best one, if you ask me. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, just wanted to ask you about that. Um, and uh, you know, uh, two thousand five as as things roll along, I found something quite interesting. Uh, the eleventh of July, I watched this match the other day on YouTube. It was a dark match on Sunday Night Heat. Uh, yourself with uh, Damien Adams uh, took on uh, Balls and Axel uh, in East Rutherford. Uh, I just wanted to know about the opportunity to do that experience there. And, uh, you know, uh, was this an opportunity to maybe uh, wrestle in the company or was it just kind of like uh, they're in a certain area and they needed some extras to come and work this dark match with uh, Balls and Axel? So it was like, it was like this, me and, Balls and Axel, that was their first night there doing that. And uh, they called me up, like, like, get up here right now. Like, so long story short, I'm, I get up there right away. And they're like, kid, good, you're here. You're the first match on. I link up with Damian Adams. We, you know, we, we talk about the match. And uh, so I was on the beach right before this, right? And um, I, I, so I get the call. I, I get there. I... I'm ready to go through the curtain. Shane McMahon's, you know, behind me. He's like, oh, I still got goosebumps, kid. He's because they'd open this, you know, the, all the pyro and shit went off. We opened the show. And he's like, he's like, let's go after, let's go out there and get after it, you know? So I, I hit the ring and then, you know, I'm a little bit nervous, obviously. And then I look in the front row and it's all kids from Spring Lake that I just, that was on, I was on the beach with two hours ago. And they were like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah. So that kind of put me at ease. And then being in there with Balls and Axel. So, Doing that was freaking awesome, you know. Then after, like, like especially at that time, Sandman was there, Sabu was there, a whole bunch of guys were there. So they're like, they're like, get to Atlantic City now. We want you here tonight. Be here tonight. So I was going around with them, and then something happened with Axel. He didn't, he, he wasn't going to work there anymore. And Balls was like, JC, it's me and you. Me and you were going to tag. I talked to Shane. He said it's a go. Me and you. And at the same time, my, my family's like, you know, we lost one son. We can't go through this shit again. So it, it was, it was so tough to, to like have to, I, I don't like, I never heard from like Vince or anybody themselves that they, they wanted me there. I heard it from Balls who was telling me that they were saying yes to go. But uh, I, I, I started to like no show and, you know, cause like I, for real, like I, my, it was either like, continue wrestling or my family was like we can't we don't know what to what to do so i ended up you know stepping away from wrestling in like 2007 or 8 
and then getting a regular job. So, I mean, you know, life worked out, but, uh, you know, it would have been cool to be able to do that. But I understand where my parents were coming from at the time. Yeah. But as far as, experience, as, as, as far as an experience, it was freaking amazing. You know, it was great. <laughs> yeah, it's, re it's really cool, bro. Yeah. Um, because uh, I knew that you had worked, but I actually wasn't aware of that match until I saw it on YouTube. And uh, yeah, I watched it and I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, there was uh, another thing that you, you were a part of. Um, Sean Waltman misses a show for a pay-per-view called TNA Unbreakable uh, on September 11th, 2005. Uh, you end up getting to be uh, perform on the show. Um, I guess... Sean doesn't show up and someone approaches you and says, Hey man, do you have your gear? Well, what was that situation? Yeah, and this, this is all, this is, I, I kick myself in the ass over this all the time because I, uh, I had two identical fucking bags and this is before the show even started. They're like, dude, you're, you know, you might work tonight. So, you know, grab your bag. And I, uh, I went shopping earlier. I bought fucking this, this, that this new, these new clothes and I grabbed the blue bag. And I went there and it was my fucking clothes bag. And they're like, fuck, you're gonna have to you're like you're gonna have to come. I was just gonna, I was gonna I was just gonna straight up tag without Shelly. And then they're like, oh, since you don't have gear, you're gonna come out of the audience. And I thought it was the shit, to be honest, because I wanted to just uh, you know, it would have been so much better if I had my fucking gear and I didn't grab my again, that still irks me that that I didn't I did that, I had to come out of the audience instead of, you know, having my shit with me. But that's, that's that's the first thing you learn in wrestling is to always have your fucking bag, and I forgot it on that day. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I learned that from Lance Storm. Uh, he wasn't with the WWE uh, anymore at one stage. He rocked up to a house show, uh, and uh, he saw Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon said, you know what I'd like to see tonight? Lance Storm versus Eddie Guerrero. Do you have your gear? And he was like, yes, I do. It's in my car. And ended up getting to wrestle Eddie Guerrero the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. to rub it in or anything bro <laughs> yeah I, I, I broke the, the one cardinal rule you know you um, so you did say you, you, you kind of left the business uh 2007 ish um but i did see my research and please correct me if i'm wrong but i think this is probably correct uh august 6 2011 you team with tommy dreamer to defeat two rude dudes at the nws chris candido memorial j cup in kingsburg new jersey uh so had it been a few years and you had an opportunity to do something else here yeah it was it was more like a there, there was actually a j cup before that but they didn't um the person didn't turn the mic on so I'll, I'll tell you what happened before that. The year before that, um, Balls, or maybe the year after that, anyway, Balls cut a promo on me about like how I left w, I left WWE, and that's why his shit's. He said something. He's like, he's like your brother would be rolling over in his fucking grave. He settled the shit, and I shoot. I punched him in the face, and like half a shoot. We we were like, dude, like behind the scenes, we're like, let's make people think that we really fucking hate each other. So. When that happened, I ran over. I fucking laid a punch in on Ballsy, and then we fought, you know, all around. And uh, in the locker room, we were still screaming at each other. And the guys had to pull us apart. So me and him were working toward an angle. But uh, back to that Tommy Dreamer match. Um, yeah, I, I it was like we're having a memorial show. Will you come back and, and tag with Dreamer? I'm like, of course. So I did that, and New Jack was there too. And uh, yeah, it was really fun, man. It was a. Uh, it was it was it was a cool match as I can remember. I think the, the finish was trio woe chairs in each of their faces, and we both did the baseball slide into the chairs. But yeah, working with Dreamers great. I, I love working with all those guys. They're uh, you know super professional, and That's the guys who cool. wrestled were good. You know, so it was a good good shit. That's cool. Um, this is where my research kind of uh, and I couldn't find anything else. Was this the last time you performed in the ring, or were there other things that just I, I wasn't able to uncover? Uh, I'm sure there's a couple you weren't able to un uncover because I think the balls thing happened after that. Because I think around then he was in WWE, but there was yeah. I mean, I did like a million weird shows, like you know, before that with my brother in like West Virginia or freaking you know long island or uh, i'm sorry or uh like um like vermont and new hampshire and maine and uh 
Massachusetts. That's what I'm fucking looking at. Massachusetts, like in the Boston area. I worked up there for Mike Sparta. And then we'd come back through and work in Connecticut. This dude, uh, Jason Knight from ECW. He had a promotion there and we'd work there. So, uh, yeah, but I think that was my last in the in ring match. I think was me and Dreamer against the two rude dudes. But it was it was a good match. I, I remember it well. That's cool, man. Um, okay. Uh, have you had your last match? Would you ever consider getting back in the ring again? It's, it's I would never say never, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that once it like gets into your blood, there's nothing that like kind of can replace that feeling, you know? So then uh, I'd never say, I, I would never say never. Um, maybe I will. I don't know. I, it, I've been pumping some iron recently. I'm feeling good. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Cause I, I still talk to a lot of the guys like, dude, let's, why don't you come back and tag with me or do this or do that. So, again, maybe. <laughs> I think I think any retired wrestler or anybody who's been, I, been in the ring. I mean, I I was only in the business for like a cup of coffee. I just really, you know, I my brother did it, so I did it with him. Like, if he went, if he was a pro baseball player, I would have done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's something that I loved, and once, like I said, once it gets in your blood, there's nothing like it. So I, uh, yeah, never say never. If the, if the opportunity pops up. At the right time, and I'm feeling like getting after it. I will. Excellent. Yeah. Um, another a great thing that has taken place, uh, as you alluded to earlier, uh, no gimmicks needed. Um, the book that came out earlier this year. Um, could you please tell me a little bit about the process of of getting the book together, and uh, you know, I guess how proud you must have been when it was all all said and oh, done, and uh, you were able to release it. Yeah, it was so great, dude. Like I, uh, so in maybe in like 2010, something like that, I started writing, I started writing about, because people were like, dude, you should write a book on your brother. So I started writing. I wrote like, like 60, 70 pages maybe. And I started at the end of the funeral, like all the hard shit I started with. And I just started like, wrote like stream of consciousness kind of deal. Then John Cosper calls me and he's like, I want to do a book on your brother. Um, you know, can you help me out? I said, yeah, I can help you out. I actually started writing the book and I couldn't, cause when I was writing my own book, me and my brother were together like every day, especially like the last three years of his life, we were together every single fucking day. So after I wrote like those 70, 80 pages, I'm like, I haven't even touched the surface. This is going to be like, you know, take me forever. So John Cosper calls me. I'm like, I started writing a book already. How about I email it to you? So I do that. He's like, Oh dude, this is such great shit. He's like, can I use it? And I'll make you co-author. I'm like, hell yeah. So I, I emailed him the book and then also every day I would tell him stories because just, I would think of shit. I, you know, like, uh, like I'd see a yellow Gatorade. It made me think of one time we were driving in Massachusetts. Um, we we're, we're getting lost through traffic. Um, uh, um, so we're lost for like six, seven hours. Finally, we see our hotel. I light up a cigarette. I'm smoking it. All of a sudden the, the AC turns on blows the cherry to the cigarette in my shorts, starts burning me. I try to pat it out. My brother pours yellow Gatorade on my white shorts. We walk in and the, uh, the, 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 lady, the receptionist lady was really hot and went to get our room key. And he's like, oh, sorry, my brother pissed his pants. So like, I was just like thinking these stories and like send them to John. So anyway, John knows all like the X's and O's of like the career stuff. And I know all like the behind the scenes stories. So it kind of worked really well. So, you know, a lot of the career stuff is in there <laughs> and then what was going on behind the scenes I told and you know and all the funny shit that we did so yeah it's really good and it's been received really well like I love reading the, all the reviews and shit it's been beautiful so and, oh, and we've been, awesome. yeah it came out in January and we we're still like you know just staying very popular people are continuing to buy it and like it and you know it's great so I couldn't be happier Excellent, bro. Happy to hear that. Um, and that is an interesting kind of way, uh, uh, you know, a book has been put together there. Someone's working on the in-ring stuff and you were working on the personal stuff. So I like uh, hearing about that. That's um, interesting to me. Uh, and at this time, uh, Johnny, I'd like you to have the chance now to like just plug 
pl- plug for anyone out there who wants to find it uh, and, and for if anyone wants to find you on uh, Twitter, um, the floor is yours. Yeah, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at Twitter at, uh, was it, at Candido118 or just search Johnny Candido, you'll find me. Um, we're going to, we were working on a documentary and now we pick back up on doing the documentary. So that should be coming. There's going to be a new trailer out some point soon. I'll let you know. But well, what I'll plug now is my brother's book, uh, Chris Candido, No Good Mix Needed. You can get it at eatsleepwrestle.com. That's John Cosper's website. And it's also on Amazon. If you just type in Chris Candido, No Good Mix Needed. And if you want to get one of his shirts, you can go to the prowrestlingtees.com. Put Chris Candido in. You can get all kind of tank tops, hoodies, regular sl- short sleeves, whatever you want. So yeah, check it out. And I, I definitely check out the book if you're a fan of my brother's because you know it's got a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of awesome. clear stuff and a lot of funny stories, you know. Excellent, excellent. And everyone, uh, everything that Johnny's just promoted there in the description if you're watching here on youtube in the description you can uh find all the links there to everything um johnny i've had so much fun chatting to you tonight but we've got one segment to go on the show uh it's five second frenzy you have five seconds to answer each question even if you break the five second rule it's okay you won't get in trouble um first and foremost johnny candida who is your favorite wrestler my favorite wrestler is rick flair Excellent. Uh, over the time that you, you performed in the ring, who would you say is your favorite opponent? Chris Candido or Balls Mahoney. Nice. Uh, the last one in Five Second Frenzy about wrestling. Uh, if you could pick one match that you performed in that you would say that was your favorite match to be in, which one would you say? Balls Mahoney, uh, steel cage match. <laughs> Uh, getting away from wrestling into the arts now. Uh, favorite book? Chris Candy, don't know the mixed natives. I like mob books. Uh, Mur- uh, Murder Machine uh, by Gene Mustaine. So it's a mob book. Excellent, excellent. Uh, favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? Huh. Let me see. Shit. Sopranos. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme here and I'm liking it being Italian <laughs> myself uh, uh, favorite film I, I think Godfather part two <laughs> excellent excellent uh, or one they're like neck and neck yeah, they're, they're both very good <laughs> I don't know uh, yeah, moving, <laughs> moving away from uh, television film uh, favorite musical artist um Raekwon from Wu-Tang. Awesome, man. Yes, I like it. Uh, getting away from the arts now. Favorite food, bro? I say I have to go Italian again. Probably uh, probably uh, gnocchi with meatballs. I, I think. I think that's what I would go with. It's tough. Yeah. I don't know. I like a lot of things. Yep, delicious but, decision, I must say. Um, uh, if you had to pick a favorite place to eat on the road, Cracker Barrel. So we don't have them around here, so it's it was always a cool place to eat. Very nice. I hope to indulge there one day. I've heard so many things, but we don't have them over here in Australia, unfortunately. Um, favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, whiskey, chased with a beer. Very nice. Uh, second last one here, Five Second Frenzy. The naughtiest question of Five Second Frenzy. Johnny, what is your favorite female body part? I'd say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a boob guy. Very good. I, I can't complain with that answer at all. Uh, and the last one, Johnny Candy, you know, your favorite curse word. Fuck, probably, because I say it every yeah. fucking second. <laughs> <laughs> it's the number one answer on this show, that's for sure. Uh, 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 I want to thank you so much, Johnny, for your time. This has been really fun to, to learn about your brother, uh, to hear some fun stories, and to learn about yourself as well. Um, you know, I didn't, I mean, talking about Chris was very important on this show, but I want. I thought it was important to talk about you as well. And, uh, you know, I feel. I already feel like you and I are friends uh, I feel like Definitely. we get along. <laughs> we, we have a lot in common as well. So um, I, I just want to say like how much I appreciate the fact that you, you came on the show here today and uh, 
you know, your your brother's effect on on the world is definitely like I would say it, it's it's evident because um, I live in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, and I have his action figurine. Um, oh, dude, so, that's so awesome. <laughs> I, I forgot to bring it out with me, but um, yeah, I, I I managed to get my 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 hands on it quite a few years ago. Um, so like, I just think it's important to know that, you know, that's how far it reached the most isolated city in the world. So uh, I, I want you to, yeah, to that is, that. man. My, my, yeah, dude, my brother, he, he would love to hear that. He's, you know, he, he, he loves it. It's, it says in the book, man, like there was a part that uh, I remember like 2002, 2003, when he wasn't in, in the best place, he put a book about the Von Erics on our parents, uh, our parents coffee table. And like he, we stopped over for something. And he was like thumbing through the book. And mom's like, Christopher, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna, you're gonna end up in a coffee table book. And he's like, Mom, if I end up in a coffee table book, I'd be overjoyed to be in a coffee table book. So that's what he would want. He wants, you know, he wants his memory to live on. So it's really cool to hear you from Australia. You know, knowing my bro, it's awesome. Absolutely, bro. And uh, again, Johnny, I just want to thank you so much for your time. And uh, it's really meant a lot to me. So thank you. Hey, thank you, brother. And uh, everyone out there, thank you for joining us here on the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California, and with my new friend, Johnny Candido. And we will see you down the road. Thank you.